James chapter 1 and verse 22. If you're there, say amen. amen. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Can we read that together? But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. He beholdeth himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. And whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Y'all finish this for me. This man. What man? Who is this? Who is the this? The doer. Somebody shout the doer. The doer. The doer shall be blessed. The doer shall be blessed. I want to preach to you tonight. I want to draw my title from an idiom that, that you hear used often. But uh, I want to preach to you tonight, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. You ever heard anybody say, I'm all ears? It is an idiom that alludes to the idea that I am listening. There's, there's nothing that's going to interrupt us right now. I'm listening to every word you say. Right. I need somebody I can talk to, and they sit, they sit down and say, all right, I'm all ears. You've got me. Talk to me. But I want to play around on that if I can just a little bit tonight because James said, if a man is all ears, That he is like a man that's looking in a mirror and when he walks away he forgets who he was. He said, but the man that is a doer, that man is blessed. He is a blessed man. I'm all ears and you may be seated. Y'all been standing for a long time. I think I'm probably going to stand for a few more minutes tonight. Because I don't want to preach from sitting down. So I'm going to let y'all sit down and get some blood flowing in your legs. And then you have to get back up and help me. Amen. Now, I want to begin tonight with just a couple of a couple of analogies that uh, I've always wondered about, and I don't have any suspect whatsoever that anybody in this room is going to have an answer for me. But it amazes me when I think about it. Have you ever looked at a family? Don't raise your hand, please. Have you ever looked at a family? That have raised two children. And you look at those children, two children, three children, multiple children, and you look at them and think, were they really raised in the same house? <laughs> have you ever done that? You're just like, that's your sibling? I had no clue. I met you at church. I met them in jail. That's kind of weird. Y'all act like you're scared to death to even look across the church right now. Everybody's like, eh. 
Have you ever, have you ever, how many of you have kids or grandkids in here? Ain't got nieces and nephews? How many of you have kids you've ever had to boss around? Yeah? May not have your own kids, but you're a daggum pretty good bossy person. Have you ever lined two or three kids up? And I'm not, I'm not talking about like different occasions. I'm talking about at the same exact time and told the same little children the same exact thing. And when they walked away, not one of them did the same thing. You know what I'm talking about? I know I have. I was a youth pastor for too many years. I get up and preach and, oh, my Lord, tell them the word. You can sit down with a married couple, talk to them, talk to that married couple. Sitting, I'm talking about sitting in the same exact counseling session. They hear the same exact thing. One of them get it and the other one... Not so much. And you start wondering, like, am I that bad of a communicator? Like, do they really not get it? Do they really not hear it? And you start feeling really bad, and you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm just a terrible preacher. I'm a terrible communicator. I'm a terrible counselor. And then I go back to the book of Genesis, and I read that God had made two people, gave them all of his attention, gave them everything they needed except for one tree, and they both backslid over the one thing they couldn't have. And that's when I remind myself, if God couldn't do it, I better just rejoice for everybody that responds to what I'm saying. Now, here's the point I want you to understand, okay? I, I just want to get this from the beginning. I'll preach to you in just a minute. Lucifer, the old serpent, comes into the garden and beguiles the woman by asking her, did God not say? Adam or Eve, either one, could have quoted, I will believe this till I die, Either one of them could have quoted verbatim exactly what God said to them because there was nobody else in all the world to confuse them. Adam or Eve, neither one. I know you kids don't believe this. Adam or Eve, neither one never ever did sign on YouTube and hear somebody else's opinion. They did not hear God say thou shalt not and then get on Google to find a preacher that said it's okay. Didn't happen. They could have either one quoted to you exactly what God said. But the problem is they were all ears. It's one thing to be able to quote the book. Have you ever got into it with somebody? And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but just kind of got in a little debate with somebody. And every time you go to say a scripture to them, they quote the scripture. You ever been there? You're like, hey, man, you know what? You, you really need to be coming back to church. And like, I know we should probably forsake not the assembling of ourselves together so much more as they're approaching. You're like, like, where do you go from here? What am I getting ready to say to you that you don't already know? And this brings us to the debacle that is created in the life of a person who is fully aware of righteousness. But James said, they know to do righteousness and 
they refuse to do it. And to the person who knows righteousness, in other words, they're all ears. They can quote the book to you. They can tell you why holiness is important. They can tell you why you need to be water baptized. They can tell you why you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They know to do right. But James said to him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not to him, it is. I wish you guys wouldn't be so hellfire brimstone preachers. You better quit preaching that stuff. That's why I like to let y'all preach them words right there. To him that knoweth to do good, doeth it not. To him it. Why are y'all so judgmental? Is that Pentecostal doctrine or is it the book? James said if there's something in your heart that you've been convicted about and you know you ought to be doing that and you don't do it, it is absolutely positively sin. Okay, so we got to put our scale away because we're always weighing out the sin of commission. We're always weighing it out, the sin of commission. It's like, I guess they're probably a worse sinner than me because they're homosexual, because they're adulterers, because they're alcoholics. No, I would say probably it's just because theirs is more visible than yours. We get our measuring stick out and start measuring the sin of commission. What they've committed, what they've done. Oh, they've been with so-and-so. Can you believe that? Can you believe that's how they've acted? Can you believe that? How many times, Pastor, how many times are they going to backslide and come back? I don't know, but one of these days is going to be the last time. How many chances are you going to give them? You know what? I don't even want to hear that because Jesus ain't never give up on you. Jesus has never quit believing in you. You need to let God be God. Everything will be all right. Well, bless their heart. We'll see how long this one lasts. We get, boy, we start measuring it up. Hmm. I love it, man. It's so funny. People get so proper when they get that kind of spirit. It's hilarious. Like, they normally talk in slang until they get like that. And like, hmm. We'll see. It's like we're standing around waiting on people to fail. It's like we got our, we, they, they, they bow their knee at an altar of repentance and they get up and we start our time clock. Huh. I'm watching. Because last time it was only two weeks. I bet they don't make it that long this time. I appreciate y'all believing in us. But here's a little something, something I want to tell you. And I don't want to hurt nobody's, never, I don't want to rain on your parade, all right? But whether you believe in them or not, they're going to make it. Because I have already believed and received and released on this church 
that we are going to see more prodigals come home than you have ever imagined in your life. I'm declaring to you in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter if it makes every devil in hell mad and every judgmental woman in the world ticked off and every loud mouth. It doesn't matter. Go ahead and judge them. But when God gets finished with them, we're going to rejoice. Well, I don't think they've got what it takes to make it. All I know they need is an altar of repentance and a touch of the Holy Ghost. And God will pick them up and clean them up and turn them around and make a difference. I believe it. If you're glad he never gave up on you, shout hallelujah. You can be seated. So we got, we get the measuring tape out and we're like, commission, commission. This is what they committed. You know what they committed? You know, you, uh, do you understand that, Pastor? Do you, you understand that? Why in the world would you even be seen with people like that? Come on. Woo. Jesus came to a well. <laughs> Y'all about to kill me on Sunday night. I said, Jesus came to a well and he sat down with a woman and he knew there was going to be some spirits that he was going to have to deal with. So he told his disciples, he said, go into town and get me some lunch. Let me ask y'all something. Do you really believe it took 12 men to go into town to get lunch? You want me to tell you what it was? Jesus said, you 12 boys get out of here because I know what I'm getting ready to deal with and I don't need any spirits talking to me and telling me who she is and what she is. I know exactly what she is and that's who I came for. I came for the broken. I came for the weary. I came for the turned upside down. I came for the turned inside out. I came to be a healer. I came to be a... Ah. Even she had some trepidation about talking with the master. Because she said, sir, if you knew who I was, you probably wouldn't be asking me for a drink. And I, I know, I know, I know. When we look at this, the first lens we look through is, psh, Jesus called her number. Because he looked at her and said, mm -hmm, I know. I know exactly who you are. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with is not your own. Now, you can look at this through two lenses. You can look at this and say, yep, Jesus called her out, put her in her place, and told her, you are filthy. I know you're a scoundrel. Or, understand me when I tell you this. Here's, the, here's how we know the difference. This is the lens I choose. Because when Jesus told her what he knew, he didn't get up and leave. He was saying, I know you've had five husbands, and the one you're with is not your own. That doesn't intimidate me. I'm going to stay right here because you're the kind that need me. Well, what will the disciples have to say about who you're sitting with? 
Probably the same thing they're going to say about you when you deny me three times but get up and preach on Pentecost. That was even free. What do you do with people like that? That's always got their measuring tape out. Well, look at what they've committed. And they start measuring. One, two, three, four. Mm. Looks like five husbands to me. And the one that she's with is not her own. Mm. So we could go to the other side of that. And we could start looking at Jesus and say, well, if he knew what was good for him, he probably wouldn't have went there. But then Jesus would have been guilty, not of the sin of commission, but of the sin of omission. Because he knew to do right. And he could not not be there. It was a must for him. Because he told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. And they're all like, no, you must not. You don't have to go that way. There is another way. Sometimes if you want to do the right thing, you must go exactly where God tells you to go. And you must do what God tells you to do. Because while we've got our measuring tape out, measuring everybody's sin and everything that they've done, the Holy Ghost is saying, I told you to get out of bed last night and call my name. And you laid in the bed the rest of the night. Oh, my, my. I've, I've always had a fear in my life, always. And it probably kept me pretty close to straight and narrow. I've had a fear all my life of what it would be like to not hear the voice of God. Can you imagine? I, just want, you, I want you to walk that road with me right now. I know it's really hard to imagine because you haven't been there. I'm not talking about pastor. I was so low I couldn't even feel his presence. Well, you probably left too soon. I'm talking about like you can't touch him. You can't feel him. You haven't heard from him. You've been turned over to a delusion. You're a reprobate. I'm not real worried about it because if you were there, you wouldn't be here right now. But I'm talking about taking you to that place right now where God turns you over to a reprobate mind. Nobody wants to preach that anymore. I believe that's still in the book, don't you, Bishop? I believe it's in the book. I believe that there are people that God has finally said, you were all ears for long enough. You could have repented and you could have made it right. You could have turned your heart around and made this thing right. And I'm going to wash my hands of you. Oh, he's a God of mercy. He does not do that. Do you understand that every single time God got frustrated in the Old Testament, he said in Jeremiah, he said, I would have divorced her if she wouldn't have repented and came back to me. He said in the Old Testament many, many times, come back to me, return to me, repent, come home. Can I tell you that God always honors a spirit of repentance? But imagine... Imagine being in that place where you've had chance after chance after chance. Oh, God, have mercy. And you, 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 you get, a, you get a, 
a, a DVD or a CD or a, an MP3, a podcast, a, a webcast, because you're like, I just want to try it. And so you, you put on some word, and about five minutes in, you just shut it off and say, hmm, I don't even feel nothing anymore. I'm so glad God got me out of that. It used to make me so mad when I would hear people say things that have walked away from truth. And they would say things like, I love it as much as I've ever loved it. I'd hear, I'd hear them say, I preach it as hard as I've ever preached it. And it would anger me. Because I'm still standing for truth and we're still preaching truth. And this is still a truth church. And it used to make me so mad. I'd say, man, they're liars. They, they know they're not doing what's right. And one day the Holy Ghost spoke to me and it changed my world forever. He said, you know what? They do believe that they still believe it like they always have. And they do believe that they're still preaching it like they always did. Because I let them believe it and I made them believe it. My God. My God. Think about it. Because they had not a love for truth. God sent them a strong delusion. And caused them to believe a lie. That they might be damned. You understand me when I tell you. That the spirit of God. His word declares to us. Will not always strive with men. There will come a day that his voice will stop speaking. That his spirit will stop striving. That his hand will stop reaching. I know people don't want to hear this anymore. But there is coming a day. That the dispensation of grace. Is going to come to an end. I don't believe for one moment. That after the trumpet sounds. And the saints are called away. That God is going to give a second chance. To people that have heard the word. Amen. I believe that if you want to be in the kingdom of God, I believe if you want to go to heaven, you better act right now. It's time to get over being all ears. I want to be a doer. (laughs) You can be seated. talk to you from a first person perspective here tonight because I don't want to embarrass anybody but I've been in seasons in my life where honest to God I felt like every time the preacher preached he was hammering me and you know you can have too much of a good thing you can rub your sore your foot your muscle cramp in your foot and it feels good when you first start. You can rub that long enough, it gets to hurting. So the voice of God can speak to you till it hurts. There's only one way to make it quit. I get so sick. Every time I come, it's like pastor just preaches that. What ain't like I've been living with you? Where do you think all this stuff gets downloaded from? You know what? I changed my thinking when I was just a teenager. Instead of getting mad when the preacher would preach and I thought he was preaching at me, I would just raise my hand and say, God, I'm thankful that I'm still on your mind. I'm thankful that you think enough of me to send somebody. I don't want to just be ears. Lord, if the preacher's preaching at me, I want to get it in my spirit. I want to respond. I'm not all ears. I got some leg in this thing. I want to run the good race. And so, oh, Lord Jesus. 
You know, I, I, uh, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but can I, can I just say something real adult right here? Can I do that? Talk is cheap. Boy, I hope you're not bleeding after that. I said talk is cheap. Anybody can memorize scripture. But not everybody's going to live it. That's why I refuse to be intimidated by people that have made it their life's work to learn the scripture and still not have revelation. It makes you wonder what people are really looking for in a church. When the first thing they start with is what activities do you offer? I mean, t- <laughs> ain't that right, choir? <laughs> Makes it tough. Come on, preach. When they say, now, now tell, me, tell me about your children's ministry. Bishop and I went to, a, went to a conference one time, leadership deal. And when we walked in the church, it was a big old huge lobby. It was, it was pretty cool. And they had coffee and all this, you know, smelled like Starbucks when you walked in. And uh, beautiful. Everything was just top-notch, first class. And we headed towards, like, the, the sanctuary part, and they said all, you can see the signs pointing downstairs. All their kids' classes and stuff were downstairs. Brother Gray was the craziest thing I ever saw in my life. At the top of the stairs, there were big, like, those tube slides that you see, like McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and, all, you know, big, the big playground slides. Now, I walked in, and I'm like, what in the world is this? This is sweet. <laughs> and their volunteers were like, oh, yes, sir. This is where our children come. And by their, according to their age, whichever age they are, that's the slide they go down into their class. I was like, dude, I need me some budget money. What'd you do at Sunday school? I slid into class. I was like, you already know. When church is so good, kids don't even know who Chuck E. Cheese is. I ain't going to go ride no stupid helicopter that moves up three feet and goes down when I can slide into Sunday school. Let me ask you a question. What are we doing if we put a slide on every class and our kids don't know one thing about who he is? It's tough when you start comparing budget to budget. Well, what's your children's program look like? Do you have slides? No, but we will teach them how to walk. We do have a man of God, a man of integrity, Brother Keith Haney. That's over our Sunday school department and he'll pour into our teachers and our teachers will pour into your children and they'll teach them Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. 
He will teach them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And children, you got to serve the Lord with all your heart. Listen, here's the principle. Hero Israel was not just about the doctrine. He said, be an ear and hear this. I want you to hear it, but I want you to love the Lord with all your heart. Oh, you can't be all ears. Can't do it. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. I got a feeling I'm fixing to turn off the, the response tap right here, and I don't want to. I don't want this to be counterproductive. But I've been preaching before. Brother Horner, you're kind of a safe place, so I'll just look at you when I preach it. I've been preaching before, and I've heard people say, I hear you, Pastor. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. Nope. They'll be like, come on, Pastor. I'm like, you don't want me coming on with it. <laughs> you know you don't. I just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just asking for a friend. That's Facebook language for I don't want to say it myself. Man, I've learned all kinds of stuff. I don't know Chinese or not, but I do know Facebook. Just asking for a friend. And they'll be like, you know, just asking for a friend. How do you think we'd respond if Paul was our pastor? That's why I'm not elected in this church. That's what I like about it. Pastors don't get elected because if they're elected, they can get unelected. Your God called man to a place. Paul said, have I become your enemy? Because I told you the truth? You, you, you understand? Children of God, I'm not your enemy. That's what he was saying. I'm not your enemy. But you're mad at me because I'm preaching. And I've often wondered what would happen if Paul was alive and I got up and announced at this church, um, folks, Brother Paul will be here next week. We start a two-week revival. But Eutychus, you better take some no-dos. Because Eutychus, while Paul was preaching, falls out of the window and dies. What do you think would happen? If I turn Jesus Christ himself loose up in this joint. And Jesus walks up to these young people and said. You are whited sepulcher, Lauren. You're welcome. If you don't attend here, I'm not picking on anybody's children. Nobody's suing me. This is my daughter. I pay her bills. And she eats at my house. And she knew if she didn't stand up, she was going to be hungry. <laughs> he might. Jesus said, Jesus said to them, he said, you got it all together on the outside. Yeah. Read the language. He said, you're like bleached up white. Yeah. Yeah. He said, Y'all got, you got it all together. You're like bleached out white clean 
He said, but beneath that surface, you got dead men's bones in you. Do you know he was talking to men that could walk around and school you on the scripture? Because they knew it by their ear, not by their feet. And James said, it is not enough to hear the word. James said, you've been hearing it since you were 13 years old. You've been in the synagogue. You've been in the temple. It's time to put some feet on that thing. It's time to be a doer. We don't need ears only. We need somebody, James said, that'll do the word. We need somebody that'll be blessed. I'm trying to hurry. Y'all tired yet? Lord Jesus. What about when God asks you things that's like beyond your comfort zone? What are you going to do then? Luke chapter 1. Angel of the Lord comes down. Says, Mary. The Lord has sent me to tell you that you're going to give birth to a child. And Mary does what all of us would do. She starts reasoning with logic. And she says, how can this be? How? I've never known a man. Ever. Now, folks, we got to believe that. It takes away the power of the, I don't, I don't understand people that can't just leave the book alone. Well, I believe that Mary and Joseph had consummated their marriage. I don't. I believe that Jesus Christ was born through the womb of a virgin. I believe that she was pure. I believe that she was untouched. I believe that she was kept. And here's the reason why. That's the kind of church that he's coming back for. He said, I don't want my bride to be a whoring after other gods. I don't want my bride running around on me. I'm coming back for a pure church. I'm coming back for a chaste virgin. The first time he came, he came through the womb of a virgin. The next time he comes back, he's coming back for a virgin. The angel says, here's what I want you to know. This that's conceived in you is not of man. It's of the Holy Ghost. And never did he have to say, uh, did you hear me, Mary? She heard him. Uh, Mary, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. Uh, yes, angel, I understand. But historically, that is not the way it's been done. Historically, men and women have to be together for one to have a child. Oh, no, no, no. Mary said, according to thy word, be it unto 
to me. Mary said, Lord, you sent an angel down here, but I'm not all ears. I'm not just here to listen to what the angel has said. If you're going to do something that big, I want to be a doer of the word. If you're going to do something like that in the earth, I don't want to just hear from heaven. I want to do what heaven has asked. Oh, God. Somebody help me now. So I got over a little bit ago reading about Peter. Been fishing all night. He comes up to the shore and he's frustrated. It's been a long night. And when he pulls up, there's a man standing there that at first he doesn't recognize. Oh, I wish I had time. And he says to him, been toiling all night? Yes, yes, yes we have. This is where somebody is tonight in the Holy Ghost, you hear me? You've tried everything you know. You've done every trick in the book. You've tried to figure it out, you've tried to reason it out. Folks, Peter was not a novice fisherman. Peter was a guy that when people hung out with him, he outfished them. Same lure, same reel, same rod, and he outfished him. He was a pro at it. That's what he did. When nobody else's nets had any, his did. He knew where to find them. And here stands a man who says to him, your problem, son, is you've been fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Jesus was not questioning his ability of how to fish. What he was lacking was the supernatural command of response to the word. Oh, God. This is what the Lord spoke to me today, and it was pretty clear. Peter has come into the shallows, but what did he say? He said, we fished all night and toiled in the deep. Somebody shout deep. Somebody shout deep. The Lord spoke to me today. He said, some of these people trying to get deep. I don't need them deep. I just need them obedient. He said, everybody trying to get deep on me now. Everybody's trying to tell me how deep it was. Lord, I know how to fish in some deep water. Yeah, but your deep fishing is coming back with an empty net. So he says to him, in the shallow. Oh, God. Somebody shout the shallow. Why the shallow? Because obedience is not deep. Obedience is saying, I'll do it when I don't understand it. God, it it doesn't matter. I I know there's deeper things out there, but if this is where you want me, this is where I'll be. God, there's other... Oh, God, help me right now. There's other things that I could be doing, but if you want me right here, I'll do it. And he says to him, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And here it comes, folks. Here it comes. Here it comes. You ain't ready for what I'm about to tell you. And Peter looks at him and says, nevertheless, at thy word I heard what you said but I don't just want to be ears if you told me that's where the answer is that's where I'll be nevertheless at thy word and when he cast his net on the right side of the boat I know you may not believe me when I tell you this but Jesus word and Peter's obedience was just like Jesus standing there and saying come here fishy come here fishy 
Come on, fishy. And all of the fish begin to swim in the direction of obedience. You want to know what harvest looks like? It looks like being a doer. Nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless. Pastor, I've heard what you're preaching. I've heard every word of prophecy. I've heard every evangelist. But I don't just want to be a hearer. I want to be a doer. I'm hurrying. I'm about to, about to quit. Nevertheless, 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 we've toiled. Nevertheless, we have tried. Nevertheless, we've been broken. God, we've believed. We've tried everything we know. We've been to every doctor we know. Nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless. God, we have exhausted every resource we know. But I've, hear, I've heard what you're saying. And I want you to know tonight, God, that I'm not just satisfied to be a good. I don't just want to be somebody that helps the preacher preach. I don't just want to be somebody that gets behind the preacher. Hey, I want to tell you tonight, it doesn't take a whole lot of energy to say amen. But it takes a whole lot of energy to live in amen. It takes a lot of energy to take God at his word and just believe that if God said that's where it is, you've got to get a nevertheless in your spirit, even when I don't understand. Stand it. And even when I don't see it, nevertheless, at thy word. I'm about done. Name it says. I've heard about this prophet Elijah. And I really don't have any other options because I'm a leper. So I think I'm going to go. And I want him to prophesy to me. And I want God to heal me. If the God of Israel can do it for somebody else, he can do it for me. And he gets to the prophet's house. And it's like God knows what he's doing sometimes or something. <laughs> Did y'all even hear what I just said? This would be a good sermon to at least listen because I'm all ears. He said to his servant, Elisha said, hey, Naaman's out there. You take a walk out there down the sidewalk before he even really gets off his chariot and heads towards the front porch. Why don't you just go out there and tell him, Here's what the prophet of the Lord said Go on up the road to the Jordan River, get in the muddy water, and dip seven times. And Naaman goes, uh, Does he know who I am? Homie, don't play that. I am kind of a big deal. Oh, Lord, I'm preaching right now and y'all don't even know. I'm kind of a big deal, God. 
I don't think I should get a servant response because I am somebody. So Elisha says, okay, then go home a leper. Old judgmental prophet. I don't, I, don't, I don't think you understand. It's a move point, Naaman. You're out of options. You're messed up. And he goes, well, at least go in there and ask him if there's not a better water that's somewhere closer. You ever read it? Y'all yeah. know I ain't fabricating this junk. You know, there are some other rivers around here. Yeah, but that's not the river he said. Well, who does he think he is? A prophet or something? Yeah, that's why you're here. That's why you came, Naaman. You came because you were in a mess. And you know you've tried everything else. And you got one other option. But now you don't like what the man of God said. So you got two options. Oh, Lord, I'm about to preach. You got two options. You can go home a leper. Or you can go to the Jordan. And the Bible said that Naaman got in his chariot and started to go back home. Have y'all read that? Frustrated. Angry. Ticked off. I can't believe this is what God wants me to do. What is wrong with God? You know, it's like we're going to really surprise him one day and say, God, I know I got you on that one. You ain't never seen anybody like I am right now. When God robes himself in flesh, he teaches us how to handle leprosy. So let the Holy Ghost in you be greater than the leprosy that's on them. That was free. He starts to turn around and go back home. Now, I don't have perfect math on all this because it's really difficult to take ancient archaeology and make it all make sense right now. But here's what we have really, really, truly discovered through archaeology, through understanding geography, and all of this, this whole thing. Let me just wrap it up and make it plain and simple. Or we can break it down Gerber style, alright? Naaman was a lot closer to the Jordan than he was to home. He had come so far. But he didn't like God's answer. And what mesmerizes me is people that will come this far. But get frustrated with God and turn to go back home the way that they were. They let intimidation and frustration. Oh, God, it gets older. Why would I go back home when I've come this far and all I've got to do is just obey? So here's the question, Naaman. Did you hear what he said? Yes, I heard it, and I didn't like it. But it's almost like Naaman has to reach up into the book of James all the way in the New Testament. And it's like he gets a revelation that the man who will do the word that he has heard, God will bless that man. 
Somebody shout process. So he heads about 20 miles or so. And he's talking to himself the whole time. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe he sent the messenger. He should have came out and told me himself, and he's right. And he's mad, he's mad, he's mad. And he finally gets there, and he slams on the brakes and just about chokes his mules. Gets out. I'm mad. I'll tell you right now, I've seen it happen so many times in my life. That people get most frustrated just before their breakthrough. Oh, God. Man, I'm telling you, I felt something on that right there. Somebody in this house tonight, you have been so frustrated. You've been trying to figure out how God's going to do it, when it's going to happen. But you listen to this preacher right now. Don't you dare let frustration keep you in that chariot. You are closer than... You are closer than you have ever been. Oh, I feel him here right now. Hey, I feel the angel of the Lord. You are closer to a breakthrough than you have ever been in your... Get out of that chariot. Open up your ears and be a doer of the word, Naaman. And he steps off into the Jordan and he begins to obey the word of God. One dip. Nothing happens. Two dips. Nothing happens. But on the seventh dip of obedience, the Bible said that he came up with the skin of a baby. I don't want to be just ears. See, some of you stayed in your chariot when the Holy Ghost said, get out. Some of you are saying right now, I feel it and I hear it in the Holy Ghost. Some of you are saying right now, but pastor, if I step out right now, everybody's going to know I got a problem. I'm going to tell you right now, after seven dips in the Jordan, Naaman could care less what people thought about him. Because what he used to be, he wasn't, oh God, he wasn't anymore. He was a leper, but now he was healed. I'm telling somebody, it's time to go a little deeper.